0: Thoughts and insights on creating a better world. You can find all the stories, links, and other great content at impactboom.org. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter for the latest updates, or subscribe to the newsletter or on iTunes. Thanks for listening to episode 11 of Impact Boom. My name's Tom Allen. I'm the director of Seven Positive, and I'm passionate about bringing you the latest interviews and insights to help you create positive social impact. Today, we're speaking with Tatiana Glad co-founder and director of Impact Hub Amsterdam. Tatiana Glad is a social entrepreneur, sustainability practitioner and a change strategist. She works across sectors and cultures to develop life-affirming and resilient leadership for whole systems innovation. Fusing process and content, Tatiana's work includes hosting change-aging communities and companies, designing programs for collaborative leadership for social change, facilitating multi-stakeholder interventions, and designing learning journeys on social environmental issues. So on today's podcast, we'll discuss Tatiana's experience and insights in directing a busy social innovation incubator. We'll find out about some of the initiatives Tatiana is involved with to create positive social impact, and she'll share her broad experience and work in life affirming leadership. Tatiana, thanks very much for joining us. Thank you. To kick off, Tatiana, could you please share a little bit about your background and what led you to doing what you're doing today?
1: Yeah, well, it's interesting. Having moved to the Netherlands almost 10 years ago, it was taking me back to my roots. My my roots are Dutch and they're from here. And I was remembering my parents being immigrant entrepreneurs to Canada. And they they started a bakery, so it wasn't a particularly... You know, massively ambitious business in that way. I mean, they really saw that people could have healthier breads yep. with you no know, preservatives and conservatives. And yep. so I grew up in that kind of an entrepreneurial family environment. Mm. But what they taught me was really working with your community. Yep. They taught me about the power of small business and they mm-hmm. also taught me about the. The, the power of engaging across cultures. Because mm. all my friends were from different cultures. Yep. So I'm half Dutch, half Croatian. Somebody else was half this, half that. Yep. They had a Viennese chef, French, you know, partners and all of this. And so it was very interesting to kind of really grow up with the value of diversity actually being the norm.
2: Mm.
1: And so that's, that's really one of the key things I think that led me. But I didn't realize that until, you know pretty well a few years back in, in starting my own enterprise and being involved in this and uh, and realizing that yeah that's not easy to come by it's really yeah. a lived experience yeah. to be in that but I really value growing up in in such a multicultural environment absolutely you, know, you realize the whole world isn't really completely like that and yeah. right now with the issues going on in the world you're like wow this is actually a problem
2: mm-hmm. yeah
1: sometimes the cross-cultural conversation or absolutely. collaboration so so that I, I really really value dearly I think I, as I went on and I studied, then I joined uh, in my university years, uh, I joined ISEC. It's, yep. a, it's one of the largest global organizations run by youth, for mm. youth. Um, I'm now also on, on the board of it, the international board. But I look back and it's been a place where you could experiment and prototype and put on projects and put on massive events and, and take a lot of leadership early and mm. take a lot of responsibility. So a lot of the things I've learned, just pragmatic things mm. about running a business or or um speaking to people or facilitating yep. things, I actually learned by yeah, just learning by doing and making mistakes and learning and doing that with your peers in quite a you know a fun way because yeah, you didn't yeah. really know what the consequences were, yep. so sometimes nativity is actually really <laughs> good. But, you know, for me, it's really about, yeah, encouraging young people and the next generation to take as many opportunities as possible to get involved. Mm, So I'm so grateful in my university. There were so many ways to get involved and Mm. clubs and try this and run that. And so I really look back at that being, you know, a a bit of, yeah, that influence in terms Mm. of what led me to what I'm doing today. I can see why I do what I do today. Well, I mean, I can see a
0: very strong link with that and what you're doing here as well at the Impact Hub in Amsterdam.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I think, you know, that was really, that's also rooted in a time when I went on to work for business, so I thought, well, if I want to make social change happen, one of the things that's going to I'm gonna bump up against mm-hmm. is the financial question. Yeah. Either not having enough money, having to talk to people about money, trying to understand why yeah. money is is such an issue in the world and so divisive. Actually who mm-hmm. has and who doesn't and yep. you know that divide, you know, I don't know if it's getting better or worse, but you know, it's really such a divisive issue. Yep. And so I thought I'd get some experience by working in a global bank. So I worked in a, in Citigroup for mm-hmm. a few years and you know, it was a bit of kind of a fun experiment. It was yeah. A lot of work, but but it was kind of this um I had next to my desk if any of you hear this and want to google it the 10 commandments of entrepreneurship mm, okay so i think you know maybe you'll find the link for me yep. in this um but the 10 commandments of entrepreneurship sat by the edge of my desk and the first one says be willing to be fired so you're not like deliberately trying to be malicious but yep. it was an inquiry mm. i was investigative i thought i'll try things yep. You know, I'm kind of young. I can take a risk. I yeah. knew I wouldn't be there forever. And, you know, what happens is there's a lot of people inside some of these multinationals that actually are allies yeah. and want to see change happen yeah. and, you know, are curious about the new or are curious about mm-hmm. what's emerging. So I found that interesting. But I also found working in a multinational bank that I was less shy. I'm less shy now about conversations about money. Wow. Because I, I know a lot of social entrepreneurs yeah. I see nowadays you know, working in this place and uh, and hosting a lot of entrepreneurs yep. is they have great ideas to change the world, mm-hmm. but they shrink at the money conversation. Yep. And so I find that that's been so important to do that. And when I moved from Citigroup to Bangladesh to understand microfinance, mm. I found, oh my gosh, there's this whole other world yep. of where money is facilitating people. So I think seeing it as an enabler and getting beyond this sort of taboo yeah, of money yeah. or that's it, it holds up so much energy with people. It's so personal. Yep. And it's so it gets in the way of conversations. Mm-hmm. It divides people. So I thought that was really, you know, that whole financial world and understanding it. Yeah, really enriching. And when I started here, yeah, a lot of people thought I was just kind of, yeah, an entrepreneur with a vision and didn't understand I was actually well-versed on that Excellent. side as well. So I think that that's benefited us in making conscious choices. Absolutely. Also of what we won't engage in. Very good. So I think, you know, you know, anybody who shifts sectors or has had experience, I actually think it's very important to reflect on how that's transferable.
0: Mm, yeah.
1: Because I think there's a lot of learning. Definitely. In that. So yeah.
0: in very many ways, not asking for permission, but asking for forgiveness for yeah, something important. Yeah, you that know?
1: old adage. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just trying things out. And I think, you know, being conscious of the, the implications. Mm. But... Especially, I think, you know, when you're young and you have energy and you start out in, in, in a multinational, often people will tell you that, um, yeah, that, you know, you need to wait until you yep. get to a place of leadership. You need to wait. And now with all the millennials, if you read all those reports, if you talk to them, yep. there's a lot more impatience. Yep. So I think, you know, for me, turning from that world, I recognize my natural impatience, as mm. you have already probably started to see. Um, <laughs> needed to be channeled in a different way. And that's when I founded an entrepreneurship. Excellent. So first starting Waterlution with yep. an old friend of mine, also from ISEC. Um, you know, we were like, we're going to start something one day. And we saw that um, we had both worked a little bit abroad in, in terms of seeing the developing yep. world um, and thought, well, wait a second. We're back in Canada. Mm. What's wrong here? Yep. Like, what if we start at home?
2: Yep.
1: And that's where we came across the water issues and thought, um Yeah, this is a problem. So Mm -hmm. people would say you should be in Brazil or the Sudan or places where there are problems. And we said, well, we're one of the biggest wasters of water in the world. Second largest, Mm -hmm. biggest wasters of water in the world. And uh, if we are ignorant of that, Mm -hmm. and water is of any value in the next (laughs) decade or two, which now we see 13 years later, it is. It's a big issue. Then we need to, then ignorance is a problem. The Mm -hmm. ignorance of Canadians with their fresh water. The fact that many of our indigenous communities do not have access to clean water. The fact till you know a few years ago that that raw sewage was being dumped in our mm. oceans. So, when you have a lot of space, you don't think about these things sometimes. So true. So, growing up, a next generation of water leaders became a bit of a, a life mission, and and right. Karen continues as executive director, and maybe you should talk to her sometime. I'd love to. Um, love to. Yeah, I think, I think uh, you know, there's some interesting stuff going on there. Now internationally we're hosting a, a water innovation lab in the Netherlands. Right. So it's connecting my two worlds at the Excellent. end of April. So I'm very excited about that. But that was also pivotal in us trying to start something that nobody understood. Mm. And just going at it in yep. a bit like an experiment. Saying we're friends, we see we have a vision, we'd like to make something happen, we yep. have no resources, and we've made it work. Right. So I think that that's, um, that was part of the step. And then coming here, because I really... I was getting a bit, you know, um, yeah, I, I just felt a little bit antsy and wanting to connect back to my, my European roots and yep. my Dutch roots. And it came as a bit of an experiment. I'll come here for a couple of years and connect. And and How the first year, now? it's been 10. Ten. Uh, yeah, be careful, people, when you make your choices. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, what happened was um, my first year was kind of a honeymoon period. Like, oh, the Netherlands is great. Yep. Everything's wonderful, they're so organized, you know, they've been on the edge of social innovation for decades. The world looks to the Netherlands Mm. and all the institutes publish amazing reports about what's great here and how they're leading in research. And then I kind of had a dip because I started to look around the city again with this thing of the problems are not just out there, what are the problems here? Mm. If we kind of import development work to our own context. and I found there's a lot of garbage around. Mm. There's a huge consumer attitude around buying a lot of crap. Yep. Um, there is, you know, people have barbecues in the park, which is lovely, but sc- like scour the earth. Mm. Like there are all these patches at the end of the summer, you know, yep. on, on the earth. Um, so it's just, you know, again, the ignorance of our own issues while mm. people are trying very much to help other countries. Sometimes we don't do this work at home. Yeah. And um, really a displacement of responsibility to the government. Mm. So because we have such a great security system here, yep. or like social security yep. system, um, there's a sense, oh, well, the government takes care of that.
2: Sure.
1: So nobody believed there are street kids in Amsterdam. Oh, no, the government takes care of that. We mm. had a friend of mine who started social enterprise around that. It's like, well, actually, they don't.
0: So you think that creates some of sort it. of like complacency around that? Yeah, I,
1: I think, yeah, that's definitely, you know, the word that comes to mind is that, you know, and this is where I own it, too, because I went through a process of saying, what would I do if I accepted myself here as a mm. citizen who lives here yeah. and is actually, you know, at least half Dutch? You know, it was as we have become complacent mm. and there's very well educated people. There's a lot of resources. And so I kind of felt this this has to shift a little yeah. bit. So my my personal inquiry was trying to find out if there are any social innovators like mm. who thinks differently, yep. who thinks like me that this isn't going to last, mm-hmm. who thinks some things are going to crack. Yep. And we have to take responsibility as citizens um, and found a few people. And then it became a community. And we'd meet around giving each other business support or mm-hmm. meet around the issues we were interested in. Yep. And this was meeting in free spaces, like in different places. And then it grew to be quite a network. And we're like, what are we? <laughs> we didn't quite know what we were. And um, I had been a member of the, the first Impact Hub in London. Yep. And so it was a little bit of like, well, what if we started something like that mm-hmm. here? And how would that work? And how do we grow it bottom-up in the Dutch context? And so it was a lot of us as foreigners who felt local and locals who had travelled and seen things differently or Mm -hmm. didn't accept the status quo that kind of started that first community. So it was very bottom-up.
0: We've just had a fantastic tour of the Impact Hub here in Amsterdam. And it's it's just a huge space. And there's so many different spaces Mm -hmm. to explore and to work from. And they Mm -hmm. seem very, very adaptive. So, it's it's been obviously a huge project to pull all this together, Tatiana. What have been the challenges in doing that?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, this is our third space. So, I mean, the challenges are always to secure space. Mm. So, I mean, our first one it was just serendipitous, how yep. it came about when we decided to start. Our second space was a really, really long haul to find a space, mm. and it came about last minute. So, yep. there's a lot of stress around renovations. And then the government sold the building. Now our landlord to turn it into a hotel. So, we were kind of forced out. Mm. Um, so contrary to what people believe about Amsterdam being supportive, that's what we faced a few years ago. And so then finding this place has been a massive search, you know, and then raising the investment for it. But I think, you know, it's funny when you go through these hard times, you look back and you go, I'm better off than I was then, Mm -hmm. but I had all the stress. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So it's funny how, you know, you kind of do have to go through that journey as an entrepreneur. Yeah. And then see if you can come out the other side, and mm. then it seems like it was easy somehow,
0: Great. even though
1: it's been a tough journey. So I think the challenge mm-hmm. was, yeah, you know, finding enough of the support to find what we needed yep. for and what, that.
0: And what do you need? I mean, what do impact hubs do?
1: Yeah, well, we focus on. Um, I mean, there's really three pillars. So we say community,
0: yep.
1: space, and programs. Mm-hmm. So the space part is about providing a space, and that is really um, it's a physical and a social space. Yep. So it's a space for people to work from. Mm-hmm. It's a space for people to have events on, yep. in that are impact-related, so yep. we're 100% impact in terms of that. But sometimes we do pop-up spaces or we'll do events in other places, so there's Excellent. sort of a hubway based on our values mm-hmm. that we do that. And the community is fundamental, so it's really about cultivating and curating a community mm. with a shared purpose over time and and allowing people to feel yeah much more, to lower the barriers to finding support from each other. Yep. So we find it's not just about coming to Impact Hub to get support. But it's coming to find your peer group,
2: Mm, you know, people
1: that you get and that you can kind of approach and find. So it's about creating the conditions for that community to find itself Mm. and support itself and to have enough diversity. So we don't focus on one or two issues. We really focus on the diversity. So I was thinking, well, who else is not a part of this community? Well, maybe a podcast maker is not part of our community. <laughs> yeah. So every day we discover that there's you know someone else who should be a part of this to mm-hmm. create that ecosystem.
2: Definitely.
1: Um, and the third pillars are programs. So we run a starter program, the Business Model Challenge. Yep. We run the Investment Ready program for running businesses to be ready for investment. Right. Yep. And those are two key programs to take people along the entrepreneurial trajectory, so they can mm-hmm. develop
0: themselves. Excellent. And create
1: opportunities. It those sounds like some very very well
0: supportive programs.
1: Yeah, and I think we, we like each other as people. So the idea is that, you know, when you truly invest in people and those relationships, mm. you want them to succeed and, and find something for them. Yeah, yeah to, to be able to take their, their crazy idea to make the world a better place mm. into some sort of practical
0: yep. action.
1: Uh, I mean, yeah. it seems
0: like there's some really interesting social enterprises working out of Impact yeah. Hub as well. Mm and I've got a couple of interesting interviews tomorrow, which we'll get on in the future. And, I mean, from an outside perspective, the Netherlands, as you said before, seems very forward-thinking, and it seems like they're doing some excellent work in this sort of social innovation space. So the question is, do you agree with that? I mean, building on the comments that we've heard just before, and if so, could you please tell us about some of the programs or initiatives that the government is doing? Perhaps that aren't creating complacency, but yeah. that are really helping people to launch yeah. and support yeah. impact initiatives. Yeah.
1: Well, it, it's it's fun that you name that because I think, you know, we're always quite self-critical of ourselves internally. Yeah. So I think we're always looking outside and it's, you know, the grass is greener somewhere else. So, sure. so we think most people are, are ahead of us mm. on the planet. But I think it's true that when people have an idea here, and particularly the government wants to sink its teeth into it, there's some pragmatic action that yeah. comes out of it, um, and I think you know one of the things that I find um, most interesting going on right now are the experiments, and it's not the only country to do so. Are the experiments around the the basic income, yeah. so citizens' basic income, and mm-hmm. uh, Utrecht as a city is doing quite a bit of that. Excellent. And really, you know, looking at I think you know what ha- this has been very much a social welfare state. I think it's very tested yeah. in being able to continue that in the future, mm-hmm. and I think they've done you know a lot of studies on the cost of unemployment because they have quite a good you know, security net here, and to see, you know, these experiments really become into pragmatic action that I know will be monitored and measured well, to see if this is a way forward, I Mm. think that that's really brave.
2: Excellent.
1: And I think it's time Mm. to try and and shift the gears on some of our systems and institutions. Definitely. And see if that actually plays out, you know, economically. So I think that's a very interesting initiative. I'm keeping my eye on that. Right. Because I also wonder how that shifts what people do. You know, mm-hmm. in terms of if they are a little bit more supported, yeah. you know, do they naturally contribute a bit more to society or yeah. find some place that their talents are better used yeah. in terms of that. So I'm very curious about how that shifts the kind of talents we need for what, sure. you know, the challenges we face today. And if we discover, you know, that there's a little bit more of a release of energy from the citizen base
2: mm.
1: to engage in in. in building their own cities a little bit more where public infrastructure is is tested
2: right now and
1: and trying to reduce budgets. Um, And the second one that comes to mind is um, it's interesting, it started very much prompted by the Dutch government in looking at its supply chains coming into the country Mm. and looking at how to influence them to be more sustainable. So I heard a speech I think even before I moved here you know, from the government who was speaking very much about you know, this idea of like influencing the supply chain and that you know, your products are more and more sustainable. I thought, mm-hmm. well, if I live here, then it's easier to make choices if I know most of the stuff is sustainable.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. We're nowhere near the goal that they set, but um, they spun off something called the Dutch Sustainable Trade Initiative, mm-hmm. IDH in Dutch. Yep. And uh, what they do is um, they very much convene some of the large players to really look at the top supplies that are coming to the country, like cacao. or cotton and look at how do we and this is really a systemic change effort which takes a long time when you involve Mm. the large multinationals and other governments across borders so I think that's where you know it's somewhat tested but it's a long term effort to convene these people and try and shift it so any small win I think helps Mm. but to me that's it's very interesting that you know somehow the government has looked systemically Mm. at that
0: and, uh,
1: and identified at least you know what some of the issues are there
0: Excellent. Yeah. And so, in terms of social entrepreneurship, how have you seen that sector shift? And oh, good question. Yeah. What do you think are the typical challenges that these social entrepreneurs are coming up against in trying to launch their initiatives?
1: How I've seen a shift. Like I said, I didn't think up until a few years ago there was much support. People yeah. didn't really understand this. This sector. Um, it was kind of seen as a little bit do-gooders on the side. Mm. Um, Like when we had to move out of our place, I was trying to justify, you know, why we should be there. And we're not just a few people with laptops at desks that looks, you know, joyful. But that I added up the the worth of our economy and it came up to 38 million euros. So that is the amount of revenue this community generates. Mm. And that was last year. So to demonstrate, you know, to the government and such that, you know, we're actually a viable part of the economy sure. and we've created 400-something jobs. Yep. And, and to demonstrate that has been important on our part. So, yep. so to actually measure social entrepreneurship, to take ourselves seriously, I mm-hmm. think has been a shift yep. in the face of the challenges. I think on the other side, we've seen um, people embrace this as a career. So when I first mm. moved here, working a lot with young people, the career trajectory was very much in the schools being bred to get a job in a multinational company.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Because the Netherlands has done a great job post war building itself up with these big companies sure. and providing lifetime employment. That's yeah. what Shell did, that's what ING did, that's yeah. what you know Unilever did. And I think, you know, the game's changing for them as well. Mm. So that's shifting and expectations are shifting on both sides. Yeah. Um yeah. but starting to see just in the last few years a lot of young people come out of school and say, Actually I want to be an entrepreneur. Mm. And I want to, particularly if they want to be an impact entrepreneur, we really embrace them because and mm-hmm. seeing that as a potential career choice, sure. um, as opposed to just you know maybe a hobby,
0: yeah, to try out.
1: Um, so that's shifting. I think the whole impact investing field mm-hmm. has really grown in the last years, because you need to have an economy behind this. Yeah. Um, so we're seeing you know many more you know family firms stand up, formal institutions. Creating those arms and them hosting their own conversations. Sure. Yeah. So we host a series of labs with impact investors and entrepreneurs to to figure out how to advance that field. Excellent. And and I'm seeing a lot of more traction and a mo- lot more collaboration start to happen mm, excellent. in that field. You know. Um,
0: Certainly, a, a, an opinion I've heard. From other yeah. places around the world as well, so it's nice to hear that there's a um, bit of movement in that space.
1: Yeah, yeah. So there doesn't seem to be a lot of resistance anymore here around the idea of marrying your values with your money. Mm. You know, not everybody's on that, but starting to see some of the major banks play a role there. So. Yep. It, they're not so, like, yeah, they're they're, they're very active mm. in this field. You know, some of it's just parts of the banks.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: And, you know, they still have, you know, their investing portfolios, which maybe some can be questioned. But yeah. I think it's really um great to mm-hmm. see that. And we, we interact with all the banks here. And they're curious and, you know, they're interested.
2: Yeah,
1: um, so I think some of that is guaranteeing future business. And some of that is just people in the banks who probably, like me, when I was in a bank, asking different questions. Yeah. But finding an outlet through their job. Mm. Whereas I didn't find that outlet in my job. And moved on so I think Very it's interesting. interesting to see that come full circle but
0: yeah, definitely yeah. and I mean you've seen you've got access to countless number of uh, entrepreneurs around us at the moment so for those people who are interested in taking that step and taking that leap in becoming yeah. uh, an impact entrepreneur what advice would you give them in starting their own initiative
1: the first thing is is to have a purpose mm-hmm. like really to have a sense of you know what you're trying to change in the world yeah and what your theory of change is behind that. So we could have five people working all on making food healthier but we might have five different approaches to that. Sure. And I think they're all valid until the food system has actually shifted, yep. right? There's still a lot of work to be done. So I think having a clear purpose and a clear theory of change that you can articulate yep. to people. So for example, ours is impacting societal issues through entrepreneurial action. Yep. That is it's very clear we think that that's how we contribute sure. to society. So I, I would say you know really develop that theory of change. And I think having a good, strong entrepreneurial team, mm. at least from our perspective here at Impact Hub, you know, we believe it has to be collaborative action. Yeah. And we believe in the power of community and we don't think anybody does it solely alone. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so making sure you have a good entrepreneurial team and or an environment that really supports you because yeah. when the going gets tough, you got to lean on somebody. But also to start something, you need the complementary skills. Mm. No one has all the skill set. Yeah. So, you know, really somebody who's kind of seen this through a couple of, you know, my team has grown in different ways. Some people leave, some people stay. But surrounding myself with talent that I think is as good as me or better than me Mm -hmm. has been somebody told me that a long time ago that an entrepreneur brings resources together. Yeah. And you should always look for, you know, people that are as good as you or better than you because that's how you start to advance and and excel and, and can really do the work together. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. So that would be my advice. Find good people. I think and that's... take your time like, in finding the good people. See if you have resonance before you get into business together. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Great tip. Some yeah. really, really good insights. So in addition yeah. to Impact Hub, you also have a consultancy. So could you please tell us a little bit about how your consultancy specializes in societal transition?
1: Yeah, so to me there's two angles about societal transition. There's one is the content side. Mm. So... I have a, a strong background in sustainability, and that's often about the content. Yep. So I might be brought in, you know, to do a process, but really bring in that content
2: piece. Mm-hmm.
1: So if we're interested in design strategic initiative, I'm interested in that contributing to the impact, yep. um, as opposed to doing just traditional business of any sort. Sure. Um, so I'm pretty clear on that choice. Or the other side is, if you know, the content is really about societal change and clear then what's the, the process? And so I, I really specialize in the participatory mm-hmm. piece of it. Yep. There is the art of hosting community, which is also very interesting for people anywhere in the world. It's mm-hmm. global and it's grown as a community of practice yep. that's grown. Um, and that's really about um, designing um, with social technology. So really designing for participation, mm. so people really own their outcome. Yep. And it's bringing all kinds of practices and tools to the table, but really with the sense of understanding what our mindset is behind mm. it. So part of what I've learned through that community over the years is, um, and there's a really strong community actually in Australia, um, is is this notion of understanding how societal shift happens. Mm. So there's a system that might be dying. We have to play a role in hospicing that at the same time as we're trying to emerge the new, Mm. but also really being able to tell the story between the old and the new so i think it's not enough to just hard out the old system because there's a real divide in the mindsets between people are stuck in the old and people in the new and often mm. we can work against each other sure whereas we need to be partners yep. in making that transition
2: mm.
1: and understanding what needs to shift when so that's really the mindset that underpins my work and uh and so i do that yeah with ngos or corporates and yep. really sometimes really um, want to take a systems change perspective so it's mm-hmm. about working with multi stakeholders around that and more and more because i've really rolled a lot of that into impact hub is that we're called upon to share a little bit about our entrepreneurial approach in mm-hmm. more traditional organizations that want to learn how to be more innovative or entrepreneurial sure. so part of the forum we use our innovation lab so mm-hmm. i'll apply those that way of working yep. that's our art of hosting participatory way, way of working in a lab, Excellent. but it's really using the entrepreneurs in terms of all of us, you know, demonstrating examples of what can be done,
0: mm-hmm. what
1: are some of the solutions yep. that exist to provoke them.
0: So, for those people who yeah. have visions or and they yeah. want to move forward and, and, and act on those, what do you believe are some of the really important traits that come from an effective leader in creating that change?
1: Yeah. I mean, when you mentioned this vision? I mean that that's the first one on my list. Yeah. but I think you know with that comes having a sense of purpose and possibility. Like I think when you're working for change, everybody will tell you, I had that experience here, people telling me it's not possible, and gave me every reason why it's not possible. Yeah. And I think I don't know where I got it, but I would really credit a lot of my friendship group, I think, for that or, or my working colleagues mm-hmm. is is a sense of possibility, yeah. Like, I mean, your life is short. Why not try and do the impossible or have a vision or something to strive for that you get out of bed for in the morning Mm -hmm. and to implant that? So that might be possible in your own work to have that bigger vision. So it's like Otto Scharmer says from Theory You, being pulled from the future. So not always reacting to your past, but really being pulled from the future. So I think that vision and having a sense of purpose is really important. I think communication, being able to translate that because if not, you're alone with your vision and yep. it's in your head yep. and you feel like nobody understands you. Mm-hmm. So so how to communicate that and translate it into a way that invites people. That's and something
0: I was speaking about yesterday with Jerome Bigmans from, from Pop-Up Cities and oh. almost the same thing in terms of this, this value of communication.
1: Yeah, and part of that is, you know, like uh, I think just like you, you're passionate about certain things. How do you communicate with passion so that... You you can test. Some people will be engaged and some people won't and accept it, but at least find your allies Mm, in that way and move on. Um, And the third for me is really, I'm I'm pretty pragmatic, so it's how to translate all that into action. Mm. Try something, prototype, like don't sit on your idea forever. Make a mistake, you know, learn from that. Um, So I think in terms of action, you know, I would also say it's very much about walking the talk. Mm. So as you take yep. something out you know just just putting it into practice and seeing if it resonates seeing if it works seeing if it's an idea you should actually get rid of yep. and don't wait you know with the list for the rest of your life and not try anything absolutely and if you don't know how to take action ask ask mm. people ask your community yeah what you can try
0: great yeah. and in terms of that that community collaborative healthy innovative work mm. environment tell us more about the ingredients necessary for that
1: So, again, I'll say the word purpose, shared purpose. To me, everything starts with that. Excellent. A shared purpose, having a sense of what you're working on together, at least a meta goal. Mm -hmm. Um, Participation. Yep. So finding ways for people to participate. So one example with my team is we do participatory budgeting as part Mm -hmm. of our strategic process so that we have full transparency and people understand you know the business we're in and what we're trying to do yep. um, so so that's and it's fun you know to be involved mm. in creating your own thing so yep. they're not staff they're like co-entrepreneurs yep. in this business and, and there are opportunities for that mm. and have results like it's really nice to look back at some point when you've achieved something you know, or you have results, and maybe they've surprised you in some way. But to really be able to look back and understand, you know, what have you learned from that? Mm. Why has it worked and not worked as you anticipated, and yep. how's that springboard? Yeah, sure. So I think with any community, it keeps going if it has something that you know it's it's proud of or can continue yep. or has concrete work to do. Excellent. You know, if not it's just a community of interest, and those sometimes dissipate over yep. time.
0: So in the running of all of that, yeah. in terms of tools and processes, the sort of tools that you couldn't yeah, live without yeah. do you have any special ones that that you'd like to share
1: yeah i mean i'd say generally you know the art of hosting body of practice is is both an ethos and as practical tools mm-hmm. and and very specifically out of that is um the learning from circle practice is check-ins and checks check what does that mean so it's like if we're having a meeting we'll yep. check in mm-hmm. like how are you doing how am i doing how are we arriving right. so every team meeting it's now natural to check in together yep. And understand just where you're at it's Mm. very simple go around a circle and do that it really plays that role in coming over the threshold and and being in something together and Mm. then checking out like a reflection on the meeting so it can be super simple one word or it could be like somebody maybe has had a long journey to arrive at that meeting or something traumatic or you know something is on their mind and just knowing where people are at Mm. allows you To make that meeting more effective and if you jump in and you're talking about content and you're not really hearing each other so these check-ins and check-outs you can Mm -hmm. probably talk to anybody on my team you know about that um, as we all know we've also been using holacracy and again i'm not you know mentioning this to to sell it and say it's the answer to everything but there are a couple of practices in there that i find are absolutely useful and Mm -hmm. this has been the tactical and the governance meetings so being able to separate meetings, so you have tactical, which is just very operational. Yep, yep. Sometimes you just need to go through a little hit list yep. of what needs to be done. Mm. And if there's a bigger conversation, parking that elsewhere.
0: Yep, okay.
1: Right? Mm. And having the more strategic conversation so that mm. you can really get through just next actions and trusting people to take yep. their next actions. And the governance meeting is really important because in traditional organizations, it's someone at the top where HR makes these decisions. Mm. And with us, everybody, you know, has buy into yeah. the decision. So there is a process, but that way that everybody gets a, a role in governance and how we run Excellent. and a health check of how we run. And so yeah. I have to mention this too, because it's the first thing that came to mind when you asked a question actually is my sun lamp. I live in a country where it's very dark in the morning, <laughs> and it's very dark early at night. So there are times when, you know, it's like dark till eight thirty or 9 in the morning and yep. it's dark at four thirty in the afternoon and so someone gifted me a sun lamp and i should have discovered this years ago so it's not a sun tanning lamp but it's a phillips wake-up lamp and what it does is by the time it, the alarm goes off at seven you've already kind of woken up to sunlight mm. and i've been through a tough move and a really tough winter in terms of like working long hours yep. and sleeping very little yep. and if you live in a place where it's really hard to get up in the morning like it is amazing. I wake up with energy in the morning to this wow. thing. So really it's um, it's a tool. I could then? not I don't know how I lived without it. For years I hated winter and this winter I'm like, well actually I can get up in the morning, be super productive and wow. total shift in energy in the morning. So if anybody is a busy entrepreneur and you have trouble getting, or maybe you don't like your job and you just need to get up in the morning, <laughs> I really recommend Philip's Wake Up Lamp. And this is not a plug from them, but it's definitely an <laughs> you, don't hold, you don't hold shares you. In, in Philip's, do you? No, I don't. Okay, I God. don't.
0: Tariana, to finish off, could you please recommend perhaps a few really interesting books, great books that you recommend yeah. to the listeners around Impact?
1: From Impact Business, I have to say I'm a big fan of uh, Guy Kawasaki's yep. book, Art of the Start. Mm. I think it is like, you know, the simplest, easiest book if you want to start something to just start with that book. Sure. You know, and it should drive you into at least some, some enough pragmatic action to mm. figure out if that's what you want to yep. do. So definitely Art of the Start by Guy Kawasaki. It's the second
0: time it's been recommended, really? actually. It has, yes. Louise Grossman from Five Oceans also oh. recommended that. yeah. So that's yeah. that's great.
1: Great. And then um, in terms of content, Blessed Unrest by Paul Hawken. Actually, anything by Paul Hawken I would recommend in the sustainability field. That one I like because what he has done is an inventory of pretty well all the organizations in the world, the whole movement and Mm -hmm. how it's all interconnected. And he calls it the immune system on the earth. Wow. So you start to feel that there's a bigger picture here mm. of no matter how small your effort is yep. in what you do as either just a citizen or starting a social enterprise or maybe doing social responsibility in a big company, mm. if you see yourself as part of that immune system of the earth waking up yep. and trying to take care of it and its people,
2: mm. I
1: think that book is a beautiful story Excellent. of that and gives you a lot of insight and a, and a very quick read on the kind of state of the world. Mm. It's it's you know it's somewhat data, I don't remember when it was written, but I think incredibly relevant because yep. not enough people Excellent. I think have read it uh, mm-hmm. in my eyes. And uh, what has personally influenced me also is Leadership in the New Science by mm-hmm. Margaret Wheatley. Yep. And what it is is a leadership book, but it's really coming from the idea of embracing the more organic. So Leadership in the New Science by Margaret Wheatley is uh, to me a very powerful book because it's about the leadership practice that's near but rooted a little bit more in, yeah, it, in science. Yep. And not hard science, but really the sort of self-organizing systems. Mm -hmm. So I like that book. It's a bit poetic, but I think that all her work really brings about a different perspective on Mm -hmm. how we are as human beings on the planet. But she's been a a mentor for a long time, and I really think her stuff um, yeah, gives you a different way of looking at how we organize as human beings. And I do have a fourth book, which is uh, Birth of the Chaotic Age Mm -hmm. by D. Hawk. So, an oldie, but a goodie, because here is a business person who saw a different way of working, revolutionized our industry with the Visa card, but understood that business was not proprietary, that it works in networks. Mm. So, the idea of a chaotic organization. And so, that is something many of us have kind of continued to work with the chaotic, mm. like what is just enough order to organize the creative chaos? Mm. And how do you make sure that there's enough stability, enough structure, but at the same time enough room yeah. for openness and innovation? Fantastic. So I love the whole chaotic concept, and I mm-hmm. think that's just a good book to be introduced to it. Because there's not a huge amount written about that perspective. Can I add a blog?
2: Yeah, throw it in there.
1: Yeah, I would recommend you to read the blog of my friend Chris Corgan. So he's out of Western Canada, does a lot of very interesting work in art of hosting yep. mate, but does a lot of good work with multi-stakeholders and mm. really shifting our perceptions about how to, how to do things. And he's Excellent. done a lot of work with the First Nations community and with government structures. Mm. And um, I think, you know, he writes a good blog where whatever he reads and learns, he kind of analyzes in, in very, I guess, digestible ways. Excellent.
0: I'll throw a link in down at yeah. the bottom of the article. Tatiana, I feel like we've only <laughs> just touched the surface and we could talk for the next day uh, about <laughs> interesting initiatives and, and all the insights that are just flowing out of you. So thanks so much for your time, and I'll hope to touch base in the future.
1: Thank you. It's fantastic to have you here in Amsterdam. I'm so glad you dropped off. Thank you. Good luck on your travels.
0: Thanks for listening to Impact Food.